0: intergenerational Sunday, Jeremy's preaching, so there's some sweet foam props that I spent some time on. So if you're young or young at heart, would you like to come sit up at the front with me and help me with my props? Okay, we got one, I can see. There's some other young, there's young at heart folks in this room, I believe it. Okay, I see a few more, come on down. I'm just going to be sitting here. I will hold up the props if you don't want to come up to the front. That's fine. It's good. Great. Thank you for coming to help. I might you get to hold a prop maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I was watching a video on the internet the other day and it showed a mother hamster in her cage. Does anyone here have a hamster? Gerbil? Guinea pig? Capybara? No? No rodent keepers? in Okay, fair. Um, the mother hamster had a brand new litter of baby hamsters. And they looked like those little naked um, blind creatures. like, Yeah, you can hold that one. Yeah, it's a little bit sticky. And like the good mother that she was, she said, I'm going to take care of these hamsters. Do you want one? Do you want to hold on to a hamster for me? Oh, there's three of them. Look at that. So the mom was in her cage. And you know how they, they've got those sharp little teeth, but they can pick up their little babies with those teeth so gently, which I thought was kind of sweet. And I'm thinking, why is this video on the Internet? It's not that... I mean, it's a cute hamster. But anyways, she took the hamsters, and she carried each of her babies, and she put them into the hamster wheel. Look at that. Gently, carefully placing them into the hamster wheel with her. What a good mom. What do you think happened next? She went for a little run on her hamster wheel and the babies went flying all over the cage. In this tumble, one of them stayed in there, looped around for a bit. She went from being the mother of the year to maybe, I don't know, she's one of those, she's not a helicopter mom, she's a hamster wheel mom, (laughs) taking care of them. I don't know how many times she kept on doing that, but for me, the real zinger, everyone see my hamster in there? For me, the real zinger was that... um, Sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. The zinger was that someone wrote a comment that said, does she think that the hamster wheel goes someplace? Does she think she's taking her baby somewhere in that hamster wheel? Does she get out of the hamster wheel after running on it and go, Whew, well, check out this new cage I'm in. And for a, a minute, I thought, wow, we... We people are a lot more like hamsters than we might want to admit. Sometimes we feel like that naked, blind uh, hamster in the hamster wheel. Check out this guy. Look at him go. Sometimes we feel like that naked and blind hamster wheel. Hamster. Just thought we were cozy, thought everything was okay, and then suddenly that thing was spinning and threw us all over the cage. But I think a lot of us would identify with this guy more. If you just do one Google image search for hamster wheel, you'll get as many pictures of people running in a hamster wheel as you do of hamsters running in a hamster wheel. Which says something, I think, about our culture's understanding of what our life is like sometimes. This guy's got his phone, he's just going crazy, his hair's flying back. Here's the question. Do you think he thinks that hamster wheel is getting him somewhere? Probably. Maybe. You don't think so? He sure is, He's in a hurry to get someplace. Anyways, next prop. So anybody who's ever studied any of the corporate world stuff is going to recognize this one. What's this right here? Work-life balance! Which is already uh, grown-ups... Let's call it 's a false dichotomy like pizza. let's face it pizza. there's pizza on there. I put pizza and hot dogs and a heart for the life side, and then I put money, money and a smoking uh, factory on the other side money. i've already biased this this prop. Money. you like the money? yeah, I like pizza. and why is it biased? because we know that sometimes work is meaningful and beautiful and joyous and satisfying and just the best thing you did all day. And sometimes the fun thing that everyone said that you were supposed to do, that maybe you spent thousands of dollars on, was a miserable (laughs) waste of time and didn't feel all that fun. And in a lot of ways, that hamster wheel and this biased scale that I'm drawing you is saying to us the thing that our first reading from Ecclesiastes said to us, human beings are given this cycle of seasons and work and play. Sometimes you get to do fun things. Sometimes you get to do hard work. The fun comes, and sometimes the fun feels really great. The fun comes, and sometimes it feels hollow and empty. There's people in the world who live this life on social media or something like that, and their life just seems like the best thing ever. All they're doing is fun stuff. And then we get to know them a little bit, and we find out that their life actually wasn't all that fun. And then there's other people that we know, and they don't really seem to be doing very exciting things all the time, but they're deeply satisfied people. And they have this amazing capacity for joy and pleasure in their lives. And that's one of the strange things about being a human being. We are put in this world, and we're given work to do, or as that scripture passage is, it says toil. We're given toil to do. Sometimes the toil's really great. Sometimes the toil, not so good. And we're also given this beautiful world. Let me see. Let's, let's get that. Oh, yeah, look at this. Come on. Can you find our beautiful world on this? Well, it's getting close. There you go. Yeah, right? We're given this beautiful world in this absolutely vast universe that just goes on and on and on and on. And on. And sometimes when people look up into the sky and they see this huge universe, they feel like my little toil, the little bit of work I do, doesn't feel like it's worth all that much. What's that? I'm going to say it's Jupiter ish. It's Jupiter esque. That's an asteroid. Sputnik. Asteroid again. More asteroids. Saturn, obviously, there's a ring. Moon. That's the sun. What's that? That's a quasar. (laughs) What is that? Black hole. Sucking. (laughs) We can't do all of these. (laughs) Good effort, though. So we look up at the vastness of our universe and we go, man, I'm just too little. I'm just too little. Why does my toil matter? Why does my fun times matter? And that question that people have been asking is part of what you would call the wisdom tradition in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the wisdom tradition. Sometimes those people would just ask a really hard question like that and then kind of leave it hanging for us. Well, the cool thing is, is our second reading this Sunday is a passage that kind of answers that question. It's called apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic. Everybody say apocalyptic with me. Apocalypse? Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. If wisdom literature is about thinking real hard about the stuff we know and understand every day, then apocalyptic literature is about us seeing that God is breaking into our world with stuff that we never even thought of. Apocalypse? An apocalypse. Yeah, that's right. God coming into our world with stuff we never thought of. And here's the crazy thing about that. Normally, when we think about being with God, let me get another prop here. Normally, when we think about being with God, can you just, yeah, you can hold that up. What direction do you think God is? Oh, are you already holding it? Where is he? Where's God? Over there, just, so yep, just right. No, down, he's up. Is it safe to say? Most of us would say God's up there somewhere, Right but in the the book of revelation at the end of the bible it says hey everybody i'm coming down to be with you once and for all there's the earth Here, you can oh, nice good job i'm bringing my whole thing down i'm bringing everything i've got i'm the guy that made this whole universe and yes you feel really little in my really big universe But what I'm coming to do is to make everything fresh again. You're doing a great job. I'm going to rebuild everything. So the work that you're doing that feels unsatisfying and hollow and and maybe just laborious and sad, I'm going to breathe new life into it. And those joys that you thought were supposed to be joys that turned out to be kind of a letdown and a bummer, I'm going to redeem those too. And that broken planet that you guys have made such a terrible mess of, yeah, I'm, I'm coming to clean up on that. And there's a really famous phrase from Scripture. Um, yeah, you want to read that out a little louder? No. You were doing it. Everybody want to read it together out loud? See, I am making all things new. Yeah, I highlighted the new with a little green, some freshness. You like that? You like that? So I was talking to a theologian the other day when we were in Banff. She's a really impressive person. And I said to her, hey, um... I think "See, I am making all things new" is one of the hardest theological ideas I have in my head. I'm like, look how big this universe is. How are we supposed to make sense of all things new? It's too much. It's just too much. I can understand if you came in and you renovated uh, the planet Earth. You did a little Alakazam and you fixed, like, the, you clean the water or something. But all things, like when you say all things, and all she did is she turned to me and she said. Maybe you just need a better definition of the word new. And I've been thinking about that for over two months now. What better definition of the word new do I need when I think about God not going to make, making all things new? What better definition do I need? Do I need to think maybe about newness in my own life? No. Newness in my interactions with other people? Can God make a new thing in just me to start? Can make you a, finger. a new finger? <laughs> maybe someday, someone who lost their finger is going to be very excited to have a new finger made for them. That is a good. That's a good theological insight there. But the God who can make all things new all things fresh, that includes all those little things that we felt like they were kind of annoying or obnoxious or unsatisfying and too big for our minds or maybe even too little for us to understand. So I would encourage all of you, as you think about our universe and our world and your place in it, your littleness isn't even a concern for the God who made everything and who is making all things new. And the place you find yourself in this world is a place where newness can happen, where freshness can happen. And as one of God's agents in the world, you can be one of those human beings that recognizes and names and points to and celebrates those newnesses that you can find in the world. I'm going to call that enough. Do you guys want to take a hamster home with you? All righty. All right, before we go, everybody, let's just say it together one last time. See... I am making all things new. It's God's promise to us and maybe the most important message in the whole of the Bible. Amen. Thanks be to God.